Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of, his, of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the Lord, beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made us abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of his, him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed in the Holy Spirit of the promise, who in the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints, do it not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, you have told us faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We come this morning to study your word, to look into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guide us that we might learn from your word and grow in our faith. That through our study and the faith we gain, we will be able to glorify you in everything we do. For it is in Christ's name we ask. Amen. Spiritual blessings are something all Christians think about, or at least it's something all Christians should consider. The first and greatest of all spiritual blessings is salvation. That is why I say all Christians should consider them. The eternal well-being of your soul should be the greatest of your concern. I wonder today, with what I see of Christian people, if this is true in many of their lives. Obedience to God's word seems to be a very low item on my most priority charts today. 
We live in a world that holds to a very relativistic idea of how things work. I run into many people that will not believe in a sovereign God. They want to think everything is under their control. If they consider spiritual blessings at all, they see them as rewards for how well they're living and controlling their own lives. Spiritual blessings flow not from the results of your own efforts, but from the covenantal promises of a sovereign God. Paul begins in verse 3, expounding the wonder of this covenantal work when he declares, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every blessing, every blessing that has come to you has come from God the Father, who is first and foremost the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, we're told it was through Jesus that the world was first formed. It was through Jesus that the very words were given that revealed the character of God. It was through Christ that salvation was made secure. It was through Christ that the comfort of the Holy Spirit was sent into the hearts of believers. All of this was done because of the covenant of redemption laid out before the world was created. That covenant was first revealed to Abraham in Genesis 17:7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. God promised. He promised Abraham's children would be his people and he would be their God as they believed on him by faith. In, in Galatians 3, 7. Paul says, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. This promise of being children of God is restated throughout Scripture. And in Revelation 21.3, is shown in its completion. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. Here is the final fulfillment of this great covenant promise. This is the final results of all spiritual blessings. But, but, but I'll get it in a minute. Paul proclaims that all glory, honor, and praise belong to God the Father for this wonderful blessing, which all of his people shall partake of in eternity. There will be no blessing for those who refuse to acknowledge God's sovereign control over the affairs of this world. For the man who continues to declare himself sovereign in the affairs of his own life has a very big problem. He will find himself totally ruined in the end. God will not share his glory with men. He will find him, he will, he will not allow any man to attain even a minute amount of glory from his own hand. If you want to see a miserable man, then look around you. Those who are trying with all their strength to control their own destiny are both miserable because they are thwarted at every turn. They may gain great power, wealth, and influence, but in the end, all those things fail them. It's only the man who places his trust exclusively in Jesus Christ that can find true peace.
Our text this morning is verse 3. This is the foundation upon which Paul begins this letter. This is the eternal foundation upon which all of creation is solidly built. This third verse is a powerful verse filled with much wisdom from the heart of God. As we look into this great verse, we will first study the origin of these spiritual blessings. Second, we shall consider their nature. Third, we will see their character. And fourth, we shall examine their scope. How do these wonderful blessings come to the believer? Some people say they come through your good works as rewards. So what we want to learn is what does the scripture say about where they come from? Paul says very clearly, they come in Christ. Don't be fooled because these words come at the end of the verse. They are the most vital words of this entire verse. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly places in Christ. If these two words, in Christ, are left off, then no believer would ever have any blessing. This is the center of our covenant relationship with God. It's the heart of all that is Christianity. You as a believer receive no spiritual blessing that does not come directly from Jesus Christ. It's true. Many blessings come to all men. We ascribe this to to what is known as common grace. Christ speaks of this in Matthew 5.45 when he speaks of the Father in these words. He makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. All of mankind receives from God those blessings required to sustain life. But it is not common grace we're concerned with here. But particular grace, special grace, which is promised in the covenant only to those who come by faith. Paul's desire in this letter is to show those who are true believers this most wonderful and special grace offered to all who will hear and believe on Jesus Christ. He begins by making it perfectly clear that those blessings come only in Christ. No one else has the power to give spiritual blessings. Christianity alone gives us such mercy and grace. Our world has taken up the cry of tolerance. They claim you must be tolerant of all types of differences. You may have noticed that doesn't seem to to include tolerance toward people of faith. There is a good reason for this, and it's found in the message of this verse. Because of Paul's adding these two words to the end of verse 3, Christianity becomes the most exclusive of all entities in this world. If you do not hold to Christ and to Christ alone, you cannot hope to ever enter the kingdom of God. It's not merely a familiarity with his name. It's an unqualified acceptance of all that name represents. You are an unworthy recipient of the grace and offered in that name. It is only through that name that grace comes and that only those securely held by faith in the name will be blessed. Peter says in Acts 4.12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This very clearly says Christ needs no help from anyone, especially those he's saving. 
Paul declares in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. All the efforts of men to formulate one church that incorporates many faiths is a foolish and vain waste of time. No other name can be used by men who truly seek to know God. To try, to try and add to or allow that others can find heaven in any other way than through the name of Jesus Christ is to delude yourself. Listen to these words of one of the great preachers of the 20th century, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He declared, This great message, which was committed to Paul, of all the apostles, emphasized this particularity, this exclusiveness, this intolerance of any other suggestions or additions. This has been a teaching that has permeated the whole of the New Testament. In Colossians 1.19, we hear these words concerning Christ. For in him, the Father that is in him all, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. All the fullness of God the Father lives in Christ. In Ephesians 1, 22-23, we read, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We also find the same thing in Colossians 2-3 when it declares of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What's left to be added? It also states in Colossians 2.9, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Does this not show without a doubt that Christ is the one, he is the only mediator of all spiritual blessings? Yes, we are intolerant. We're intolerant of any who claim there is another way to God. For the scripture clearly taught this intolerance. You cannot come to God except you come through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Christian is what he is only because of Jesus Christ and because of his union with Christ. The Apostle John explains this in John 1, 14 and then 16, when he says, We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Do you not see? Do you not understand that the Christian is what he is because of his union with Christ Jesus? Unless you're in Christ Jesus, you're lost and without hope. Your life, every aspect of your life in this body comes exclusively from your head. It comes from your mystical union with Christ who is your head. It's derived from your mysterious relationship to him. It is this union that accounts for your place with him in the kingdom. All life comes from Jesus. And you can come to him as to a fountain to drink of this eternal life. Nothing matters in the end but your relationship with Jesus Christ. Not your works, not your efforts, only your faith and trust in Christ alone. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He sent him to live the perfect life, to die the atoning death, to win the resurrection victory, 
He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now, making intercession for you if you place your hope, your trust in Him and in Him alone. There is no other way. Christ is your salvation, or you have none. Jesus Christ is the origin of all spiritual blessings, beginning with the salvation of your soul. What's the nature of these blessings that come to believers through Jesus Christ? Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In this verse, Paul emphasizes the type of blessing you're to receive. They are spiritual blessings. You saw that these blessings come through Christ. And you can also see they come through the Holy Spirit. It's through the mediation of the Holy Spirit that all the blessings of the covenant become yours. When you are given salvation, given a new heart, it's through the immediate work of the Holy Spirit. The very purpose given him in coming into the world was to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. He's there to lift Christ up. He's there to show you Christ and to teach you about Christ. Therefore, he comes into your life and makes it possible for you to receive all these wonderful blessings Christ has prepared for his people. You can see this through the perfect life Christ lived here on earth. Jesus was the perfect son of God. He came and took on flesh and blood. He came and lived his life on this earth as a man. He did not come using his divine power to live this life, but lived his life out as a man, as you and I. He was your example. Thus he also received the Holy Spirit, John 3, 34, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. Jesus received the Spirit from God just like you and I receive him. Think about that. Think about Jesus in his perfection receiving the Spirit. Compare that to you, a sinner, dead in your sins and trespasses receiving the Spirit. Jesus didn't need the Spirit to be perfect. But God sent him anyway as an example to you of your need. The Holy Spirit comes into your life to change you. He comes to make you alive, to mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. Even with Christ at his baptism. The Spirit came to enable him. If he can enable Christ, think of what he can do in your life. Because of this wonderful infilling of God's Holy Spirit, Christ rose up and carried forth the greatest work of God ever, the redemption of a people unto himself. The same Holy Spirit is at work today in the hearts and lives of all, of all who will acknowledge themselves lost and without hope apart from Jesus Christ. Have you acknowledged yourself there? Have you seen your sin and understood that you can have nothing whatsoever to offer God to save you? You need Jesus Christ because he's the only one that has the worth that can save. This same Holy Spirit is at work today in the hearts and lives of all who will acknowledge themselves lost and without hope apart from Jesus Christ. He comes to your heart with this enabling power. He comes to fill you with grace. He comes to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. The blessings you receive then all come through and in the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 17 explains, Love has been perfected in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is 
so are we in this world. How can you become like Jesus? You become like him because the Holy Spirit comes and makes you alive. He does this. How does this all happen? He starts this enlightening process first by showing you your worthless and sinful condition. Then he shows you the only hope you have, trust in Jesus Christ. And from there, he continues to change you as he leads you into your study of God's word. Man, by his very nature, is not interested in spiritual things. Spiritual things to the unregenerate seem dull and foolish. He's interested in his life and those things that bring him pleasure. He will talk with you about many worldly things, but ask him about something spiritual, he quickly loses interest. He don't want to talk about it anymore. All men start off in this unregenerate state, in this state of spiritual death, and they will remain in that state until the Holy Spirit works in their hearts to make them alive. The unregenerate needs a new outlook on life, one that comes only from a divine heart transplant. These things come in the first of the spiritual blessings, a new heart. Once you have this new heart, once you recognize your former state of spiritual death, the Holy Spirit focuses your attention on Jesus Christ and on his wonderful gift of grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is one of the gifts the Holy Spirit gives. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It requires the work of the Holy Spirit to enable you to know the truth of God's Word. All of these things are a part of the mysterious process that bring you into Jesus Christ. We call this the new birth or your union with Christ. After After you are in Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that leads. It's the Holy Spirit that guides you. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps you safe within the fold of Christ in order that you might continue to grow progressively more and more like Christ. Your salvation, while it does happen in an instant, and you are secure in Christ, it is also a process, a process that is ongoing as long as you're in this flesh. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thus I hope you can see that the nature of all the blessings received by believers from God are always spiritual. It's important that not only do you understand the origin and nature of these blessings, but also the character of these blessings. Under the Old Testament, the character of the blessing was always material and temporal. In the Old Testament times, the infancy of belief in God, the people could not understand a really deep blessing. So God always made the blessings of a physical character or nature. The number of sheep, the amount of land, or the weight of gold one received spoke of God's blessing. This was a more pictorial way of dealing with men. He most always acted in a visible way with men. It was done this way because he was dealing with spiritual infants. So he gave blessings that could be seen and felt. 
as we have entered the New Testament era, we have come into an entirely different realm. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The blessings he speaks of here are to be found in the heavenly places. The idea is that your blessings today will be found not so much here on earth, but in heavenly places. Places beyond the sight of your eyes. Blessings that have to be seen by faith. What this teaches is that your faith is an other world faith. This will be one of the most unpopular teachings of the church in this day of instant gratification. I think this is the reason for so much of the decline in true Christianity today. This is why the social gospel, the charismatic renewal, the name it and claim it gospel, the entertainment-oriented churches, and the politically-centered churches are growing so fast. All of these groups speak to some aspect of people being able to do for themselves in this world. They teach that Christianity can change the world through the ways and means of unregenerate men. They don't want to hear that their spiritual blessings are treasures, treasures being stored up in heaven for them. They want the, the blessings here and now. They want Christianity to give them their blessings now, instantly, right now. I don't want to wait. Please, you must be careful with this. I'm not saying Christianity is make you into hermits. You are not to withdraw from the world. But you're to go out into the world. You're to be salt and light, witnesses of a more wonderful way of life, a life of faith and trust. You're to face this life with a faith that says, you know, you are who you are and who God is. You're to face this life with an understanding of who is in control and who can change the world. Your citizenship is not in this world, but of heaven. You're just passing through this world on your way to another world. Yes, as you pass through, you're to work hard to show others the wonderful ways and means provided to make this place better as you pass through it. Peter warns in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. It is quite clear that believers must not conform to this world. They must not take up the ways and means of this world, especially in trying to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and external, eternal weight of glory. He adds to this in 2 Corinthians 5.1, for we know that if our earthly house, the tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the other worldview you must hold. In Colossians 3.2, you're told, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. As a believer, you're to recognize this world as a part of God's creation. That God has placed it here, and he's placed it here for you. So that you can enjoy what God gives to you in it and through it, but you must not set your affections upon it. 
You must hold to everything in this world very loosely. You must view all of the events of this world with a certain detachment that says, my home is elsewhere. The Christian is to be set apart from this world. Yes, even as he lives in it. His home is in heaven. His treasure should be stored in heaven's vault where thieves cannot break in and steal and where rust and corruption cannot destroy. It's all right for Christians to be industrious and earn fortunes. It's all right for Christians to enter politics and become powerful. It's all right for Christians to be athletes and actors and to become famous. But all of these things must be held very, very loosely in hand. You have to recognize they are given as tools, tools to be used to help in the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The true blessings given by the Holy Spirit are blessings that cannot be seen or weighed in this world. They are blessings like salvation, adoption, sanctification, and glorification that will only be rewarded in their fullness as you enter the gates of heaven. What's the scope of these blessings? Verse 3. Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The scope is defined in the phrase with every spiritual blessing. If there is a spiritual blessing set forth in God's covenant promises, then that spiritual blessing belongs to each and every believer. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He goes on to say, These blessings by which we have been given, which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. God has given to his people Great and precious promises. Every blessing you will need to get through this life is yours in Jesus Christ. He's provided the forgiveness you need to be saved from the spiritual death into which you were born. He has provided the fullness of God in Christ for all who will trust in Him. He has provided the adoption required for you to spend an eternity with Him in heaven. He has made secure your place with him through Christ's great sacrifice. Nothing you need has been forgotten or overlooked. Then he provides the Holy Spirit as your guide. He gives power to overcome sin and the ability to grow in grace. He gives persecution for the wiles of Satan and security that guarantees you shall endure. Once he has begun a good work in your heart, you can be assured. You can be assured he will not stop until that work is finished and you're in heaven with him. He gives peace that is beyond your comprehension as he fills your heart with grace and turns your life from yourself to him. The scope of these spiritual blessings begin the moment he called you as his own. Yes. Yes, in this life sometimes these blessings can be hard to see even more difficult to understand. But you can be assured they are yours and they are working in your life. They are also being stored up in heaven where they are eternally safe. No one, no one can steal them from you. They will be unveiled in the day of your glorification as crowns. Crowns that will be given to you as you come into heaven 
And so you will have something of value to throw at the feet of the one who has saved your soul, Jesus Christ. This Christian life is about not about rewards and treasures gathered for yourself. It is about the wonder of God's work in the hearts of unworthy and sinful men. It is about spiritual blessings earned on Calvary's cross and given to men in order that they may glorify God. As a believer, your worldview must be of a sovereign God calling unworthy men to follow him. It must be a view of men responding out of love for the work that has earned them a special place in Jesus Christ. Please, please reach out and take hold of those, these wonderful spiritual blessings. Make them the focus of all you do. For it is only those with this other worldview that will be made alive and given a place in the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we leave this worship service asking you to build us up in the most holy faith, that you would help us to pray in the Holy Spirit, that you would give us the strength to keep ourselves in your love as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring us into eternal life. Be merciful to all who doubt. Snatch those who are lost from the fire and save them. Show mercy to those who listen. Fill their hearts with questions mixed with fear. So they come hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. We need you, O oh Lord. We need you because we cannot do anything to please you on our own. Come to us in Christ's name. Amen. If you would take your hymnals.